Thanks for downloading the RCF podcast. You're about to hear a message from our executive pastor, Derek Washington, in week five of our current series, Impact. This week's message is titled, Sell Out for the Kingdom. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord God. It was your amazing grace that saved a wretch like me. I don't deserve to be up here, Father God. It's all about you, Lord. And it's not about me. So let your words penetrate your people today, Lord God. Allow them to hear you. And if there's anything offensive, Lord God, that I say, I ask for apologies ahead of time, Lord God. But I'm going to say it just like you told me to say it, Lord God. I won't deviate, Father God, from the message that you've placed in my heart. So please work through me today, Lord God. I just come to you being a humble servant this morning, Lord. Nothing more, nothing less. Not trying to perform or put on a show, Lord God. Just want your people to hear what you have to say this morning and take it to heart. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Amen. I, I'm not, I, my intent is 10.07. Uh, my intent is not to uh, keep you long. I have a few points that I want to raise up. Um, we're going to be talking about kingdom impact today. Kingdom impact and uh, we're going to take on this notion of where the kingdom is and who the kingdom is for. Our scripture, for those of you that have your Bibles or your devices, our scripture will, is just a text that is familiar. Matthew 6, 33. Very familiar piece of scripture. Um, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. But I want to put a little twist on it, and I need y'all to participate, because uh, y'all looking at me yeah, a little funny right now, so I need some audience participation. Can y'all do that for me? Yeah. Can you tell your neighbor, tell your neighbor, seek first, seek first. His, kingdom his kingdom and his righteousness. And I, too, can have kingdom impact. Tell the other neighbor, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And I can have kingdom impact, too. Eddie, would you put my big idea on the stage, please? Selling out for the kingdom of God. Kingdom impact. So can I have my big idea up there? Amen. Amen. This is my big idea. This is what I hope today that you get out of the text. God wants us to establish his kingdom on earth by becoming disciples willing to sell out to engage our brothers and sisters into a relationship with Christ. God wants to establish 
his kingdom here on earth. On earth. And he wants us to sell out. And that's how we will be able to unlock the door of the kingdom in our hearts. God wants to establish his kingdom on earth by us becoming disciples, selling out to engage people in these communities, to tell, him, tell them about him, to allow him to operate through us, to bring them into a closer relationship with the one on high. That's what this is all about. I was telling my ministers in the back, I had a little dirty secret uh, to share with you. And I didn't take it lightly. Because every time I come to preach, I preach to myself before I ever preach to you. And I've struggled from 1995 to 2015, and my calculations say that's about 20 years with my weight. I've gone from a low of about 210 pounds to, to a high of about 295 pounds. In 1995, I was five foot eight and a half. 2015, apparently, when you got that kind of weight on you, now I'm five, seven, and three quarters. I have felt like a Shetland pony on some days. I have been on Atkins diet after Atkins diet. I have lost weight. I have gained weight. And it's been difficult. It's a place where I haven't been able to have impact in my life. I haven't been able to do it for 20 years now. Up and down like an elevator, depression, eating late at night, popping bonbons, looking at Sports Center, and not being able to call his name in that area of my life. And it's tough. I know some of you have went through it too and are going through it. So my wife and I and some friends, and I'll make sure I tell you, we decided that the month of August we were going to not eat any sugar for 30 days. Today is August 9th, and I almost made it. I called Pam on Friday. I texted her. I texted her. I said, Pam, this coworker just put kettle corn in my office. Am I able to eat this? Now, the bad thing is, and I, I, I'm just truthful, I ate them. And then I received a text back that said, no, you can't eat them. But I promise to you, I haven't eaten any cookies. I haven't bop, popped any bonbons late at night. I haven't eaten cake and ice cream. And I'm going somewhere with this. 
I haven't done it. The thing that really, I don't know, it, it, it traumatized me. I guess that's the best way I can put it. My son, my nine-year-old, walked up to me, hit me in my side, and half of his fist was in my flesh. He could only see part of his wrist. I said, that's a problem. A big one, mama. A big one. That's a problem. It got so bad the other week, Sister Shirley that normally sits on this roll right here, she said, Derek, I need you to bring me all your pants because apparently I'm walking on them and I have tears because I've shrunk. And to be even more personal and then we'll move on. I understand now when <laughs> my inseam and my waist, 46, 29, that's not a good thing. This belt hangs right here to the floor. That's a problem. That's a problem. And I've paralleled my walk with kingdom impact. What I've needed over these years and what I believe, and I'm going to ask that you hold me accountable. Raymond and Martina, hold me accountable. Pam, hold me accountable. Because that's the thing I haven't done for 20 years. It's had somebody hold me accountable. So now I've created a structure, a support group that I can call when I'm having struggles. I have a wife that's going to make sure that I eat the right things when it's time to eat it. And we can support one another. In 11 years, this is the very first time that we've done something together. And I have friends like this that I can call and that will support me. But RCF, I'm taking it a bit further. When I say RCF, I want y'all to say yes, Pastor Derek. RCF, when I go out to the visitor station and that box of donuts is over there, I give every one of y'all permission right now to take it away from me. Can y'all do that for me? I want to be held accountable, but sometimes I don't know how. So at home, I got accountability. My friends have accountability, David and June. And my church has accountability out there or wherever you see me. If I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do, tell me. Because I want to be held accountable. The other thing that has been messing me up is distractions in my life. I'm a guy of routine and order. And if my routine is broken, I will stop doing what I'm supposed to do. Every time I'm walking at lunchtime, then the next thing I know I got a meeting that comes on my calendar. So I can't walk anymore. And if I do that for a week, I'm not going back to walking at lunchtime. This is real stuff for me. 
I got to eliminate, we got to eliminate when we begin to talk about impact, the distractions. I actually, I don't have my phone because I don't like having anything up here. But everybody take their phones out and raise it up. Take their phone out, raise it up. This is not a funny church. Y'all can do that. Y'all know we text and all kind of stuff. Those of you, that's good. Those of you that are having problems like I with distractions or studying the word or whatever you got to do, use that phone for something other than texting. Use it for something other than talking and plan the time that you're going to exercise, plan the time that you're going to study your word, plan the time into your schedule so you don't forget like I do, so your routine doesn't get broken. And lastly, I got to sell out if I want this thing to change. I got to have a lifestyle change. See, I, I work for Kaiser Permanente. And I see people and patient after patient. I've never had it, but I see patient after patient will go in, get gastric bypass surgery, and two years later, stuff is gone. The lifestyle change has not taken place. The lifestyle change has not taken place. And that's me. That's why I'm over a 20-year span of up and down and up and down. And it messes with your psyche. It messes with your walk. It makes you less fruitful. For me, it's an addiction. It's no different than somebody on crack. No different. It's the same. I got to make a lifestyle change. That's what we have to be about. How do we sell out for the kingdom? Well, I just said it. You got to have a support system. Here at RCF and many other churches, you need to and should be in a community group, an accountability group, a small group. And Raymond, I just thought of this. God just gave me this. The reason we had ours last Friday night for the first time in several years is because I saw how effective it is when people get together and pray for one another, when people begin to study the word with one another, when people begin to know each other on a different level. And we don't just come in, sit in the pews and leave and never know anybody. I need accountability in my walk. I need somebody to hold me accountable. But we're so busy hiding what we have, I'll tell y'all everything. Because I kept secrets for most of my life. And they killed me on the inside. So I won't do it anymore. I won't do it to my family. And I certainly won't do it to my God. So I put my stuff out there because I want to be held accountable. And I think people of God want to be held accountable. But we're so afraid that somebody's going to know our stuff. Know what we're really all about when we're sitting there. I had a buddy, a close buddy, still to this day. His children are my God's children. He used to call me 2 o'clock in the morning. 
I got at least three or four of these calls at 2 o'clock in the morning. And he said, dear, I'm struggling with this pornography, and I need you to pray with me right now, bruh. I need you to pray with me right now. That's what accountability does. And if you want to have impact in the kingdom, you got to stop riding this thing solo. It can't be solo. You got to have people around you that hold you accountable. Because if you don't do that, you'll go back to doing what you did and you will stray away from the faith because you don't want to be held accountable. Community groups are here for you, they are not going anywhere. I'm going to have the team set up on Saturday. They're going to set their booths up, make their tables up, and on Sunday when y'all get here, everybody should be a part of a, uh, a community group. We got some new ones coming on that I'm excited about. We got some ones that are doing awesome work in the community to have kingdom impact. distractions. Y'all remember uh, Martha and Mary over in, uh, what is that, Luke 10, 41 and 42? If you're taking notes, pen it down. Martha says to Jesus, Jesus, aren't you going to tell Mary to come and help me, please? And Jesus said, no, I'm not. You so busy doing all this stuff, taking kids to practice, running to the store, going here, going there. You so distracted that you can't sit down at the master's feet and get a word. We all know it's only what we do for the kingdom that will last. Mary is doing a good thing. She stopped all the busyness, all the distractions, all the routine changers to sit at God's feet and get instruction. And not just be a hearer of the word. Become a doer of the word. Become a doer of the word. Next thing you need to have for kingdom impact. There's this thing that Henry Blackaby, he's a theologian. And he says, there's a thing that will come called crisis of belief. Crisis of belief in its definition basically says, I know who God is and I believe what God says. And every time we're faced with a crisis of belief, Henry Blackaby says, the very next action of what you do would determine what you believe about God. The very next action. I was taking B to a basketball game yesterday. 
We get off on Yale when we go to the basketball game. There's typically always a man or a woman with a sign. I was in this lane. There was a lane here. I drove up all the way. I read the sign. I'm just laid off, need some help. Three more cars were on this side. Another one was behind me. I'm all the way at the light. I could see the man. This lady is about 30 feet back, all the way back here. She didn't want to have nothing to do with that man. Nothing. All of us have faced this. That thing, whether you call it a conscience, I call it God. And God will put something in your mind, and he will say, give that man some money. And what we will do is begin to rationalize. Heck, I got a job. How come he can't get a job? He playing. That's one of these exposés. He going to go out and get an election as soon as he leave out of here. That's what he going to do. And we begin to rationalize. And what we end up not doing is adjusting towards God. And we take our own spirit and make the decisions for God. If God says do, and you decide not to do. You give yourself the opportunity of never allow God to work through you. And that's what I thought. I didn't give him, because he didn't, he didn't put it in my mind today, but I've given plenty of cash. Trust me. Because I'd be like, oh, man. Your will be done. And those adjustments that we make in our life will get us closer and closer to the image of God. There's major adjustments. That was a small, minor one. If you search the scriptures and read, every disciple, prophet, had to make major adjustments to walk this walk. Some got rid of their tax booths to go follow Jesus. Some threw their nets in and their work in to go follow Jesus. I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. We got to sell out for Christ. Elisha, a prophet, check him out in 1 Kings. Elijah was going to find Elisha to become the new prophet. And he came and he approached Elisha. And at that time, Elisha was on his farming business, taking care of 24 oxen, plowing the land. And Elijah said, God is calling you. The very next thing he does tells him what he believes about God. What did he do? He got off his plow. He killed all 24 oxen. He gave them to the people in the land. 
He said goodbye to mom and dad. He said goodbye to his occupation. And he went and followed Elijah so God could begin a work through him over the next several chapters in Kings. What we have to understand, yes, it is scary. If God asks you, go sell your home, give it to the poor, and come follow me. Those things get to be real in our life and in our walk. But if you want God to use you to your fullest extent, you can't serve two masters. That's what the rich young ruler was all about, right? God, I've done everything. I've kept all your commandments. I've done everything since I was a little boy. Everything since I was a little boy. What must I do to have eternal life? God looks at him. Jesus looks at him. Sell all your possessions. Give it to the poor and come follow me. And it says the rich young ruler left downcast because his wealth meant more to him than God. We all have crisis of belief moments. And if you want to have kingdom impact, we're going to have to start saying yes more than we say no. I'm not sugarcoating anything. There's a lot of ministries that will say, kumbaya, it's all good. Just come to church. Stay in your chair. Do nothing for the kingdom and go home and repeat it again. I play a game called cash flow with a lot of people here. And the object of cash flow is to get you out of the rat race. And in the rat race, you just go around in a circle over and over again, going to work, coming home, waiting to die. Going to work, coming home, waiting to die. Never doing anything for the kingdom. Never being used to your fullest potential for God and what he has for you in your life. This thing is serious. If you want to call yourself a disciple of God, there will be promise and there will be persecution. There will be blessings, and there will be suffering. Jesus did it. We're his disciples. Get stronger in your faith, or everybody that sits in here one day will say, Lord, didn't I do everything you told me? And he's going to look us dead in our eyes and say, no, you did not. I don't play anymore up here. 
because I found out and know how serious this spot is. It's serious, and it has nothing to do with me. I am not promised tomorrow, so I'm going to give you, when I come up here, everything I got to change your life, to at least get you to think about changing how you walk this walk. The next thing is I want to really explore just for a little bit, and if you come on Wednesday night, I'll get more in depth with the scriptures that I'm going to. Sunday is hard to develop it. But the next place I want to go is this concept of kingdom. This concept of kingdom. I believe it's over in Mark uh, 10, 37, where the brothers of Zebedee, James and John, they go and they talk to Jesus. And when they talk to Jesus, they say, Jesus, hear me and do what I want you to do for me. I want you to put me on your left, and I want you to put my brother on your right when your kingdom comes. Because they had a thought process back in that day that Jesus was coming to overthrow the Roman government and to stop the oppression of the Jews. And they were looking for them an army to take out people. And they were trying to garner their positions ahead of time for when that happened. The kingdom is not a physical territory. It's not something you can go and see. It's not something you can go and chase. It's not physical. It's not a physical place for us to do that. The scripture I want you to turn to now, and I'm going to read this scripture so we get a glimpse on what I'm saying. It's Luke 17, 20 through 21. Say amen when you get there. Luke 17, 20 through 21. Amen if you got there. Amen. Amen. Being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them, the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. Yeshua, Jesus, was in their midst. And he's saying, the kingdom is me. So when I get resurrected and I go to be with my father, my father is going to send a comforter. And that comforter will allow you to do greater things than even you saw me do. The Godhead lives in us. This is where kingdom is. And when we begin to understand that I'm walking around with kingdom, we got to decide if we want to unlock the flesh and allow the kingdom to roll out. The kingdom is within us. 
There is a power within us that we don't even understand we have. And we keep walking around, me included, with my weight problem. Defeated. Defeated lives. And I got the king of the universe. The king of the universe that lives inside of me. And I won't unlock the key. Unlocking the key is total surrender. I can't be worried about all the things I have. A man did that. God put this. I ain't having it in my outline. A man said, look, I got all this harvest, all of it. What I'm going to do is I'm going to harvest all this stuff and I'm going to go put it in some barns. I'm going to store it up so for the next few years I ain't got to worry about nothing. Excuse the grammar. I'm going to eat and drink and be merry. And I don't want to have any more kingdom impact. God says, you fool, on this very night, I'm going to take your life. And all this stuff you've laid up for yourself and wouldn't go and share it with no one, wouldn't go feed the homeless wouldn't go down on Colfax and lift somebody's arm up. Wouldn't smile at work and show your works through the way you are in life. Scared or not wanting to. Guys, it's a call in our life to be kingdom builders and have kingdom impact. Got to unlock the key and give him everything he asks you to give him. And when that crisis of belief comes, say yes, and you'll be getting closer and closer to kingdom. Here's how he says us, tells us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Lord, you're great. I acknowledge you as my Father. I know you're the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Help me to see what you want me to do. Hallowed be thy name. What's next? Thy kingdom come. The Lord is saying the kingdom is now. What you're asking when you say Thy kingdom come is for the God to rule and reign in your heart. And when he rules and reigns in your heart, the sin that we're doing, the things that we're, uh, are impacting our lives negatively, he will take care of because you're asking his kingdom to come in your heart. And when he asks that, the next statement is what? 
Whose will? Crisis of belief. Your will be done. Every time I face a person, I don't got it. Every time I look at an IMN pledge card, I ain't got it. It's not what you have. It's what God can do. But if you're loaded and weighted down with all this kind of stuff and material things run your life, it's always going to be deci- it's always going to be crucial in that decision making moment if I'm going to say yes or if I'm going to say no. Every great man and woman of God had to make major adjustments in their life to follow him. To follow Where does he want it done? (laughs) On earth. Thy will be done. Thy kingdom come. On earth. Here. Now. Today. When you walk out of here. Now. He wants it to be done. Now. Don't sit in the house waiting for the white horse to come. There's a lot of prognosticators. They may be able to tell you the time and date of when he's going to come. They may play Nostradamus, but he didn't ask me to play that. He asked me to go out and make a difference in this world. And we sit back waiting, waiting with all this locked up in you not being impactful in the earth realm. You remember what my big idea was? Let me read it, if I can find it. Uh, I might not be able to find it because my eyes are going cross-sided, but that's okay. It means sell out for him. Thank you. Thank y'all. Bail me out. God, oh, 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 and get back. God wants us to establish his kingdom on earth by becoming disciples willing to sell out, sell it all, to engage our brothers and sisters into a relationship with him. Almost done, Karen. In closing, those were just the little bitty things that I wanted to just come by, pop in your spirit, want you to be able to come on Wednesday night and let's interact with one another after the jazz set, and let's dialogue about this kingdom. Let's dialogue about this kingdom business. First thing we got to have, support. Can't do this walk by yourself. I can't lose this weight by myself. We need support. Get involved in a community group. Get some accountability partners for yourself. Don't try to do it all by yourself. Number two, 
Cut out the distractions. Program in your phones like I talked to you about. Make a step before you leave here to do something different for God. Three, has to be a lifestyle change. Can't have do this. I was reading over in Selva's office yesterday. I wasn't getting my hair cut, but in the urban spectrum, there's a whole page of a conference that's going to come about human slavery today, human trafficking. Nine, 10, 11 year old girls being bound, forced into sexual relationships. And we don't want to have impact. Watched on Facebook the other day, a student at a school got beat within inches of his life for being on the honor roll. Do you think you can impact somebody's life? This stuff is serious. Kids walking around killing kids. We'll sit in our house and read it. It will never have impact in anybody's life. I'm not telling you to go out and stop a bullet. I'm saying there's things that we can do. Things that God has told you. I'm just asking you to listen. I'm asking you to listen. This is not a playful walk. This is about saving people's life. Allowing God to work in you and through you to have people have a relationship with him. That's only if you believe. That's only if you don't think this walk is a joke. Thanks for listening to this week's message. We hope that you can find a way to impact the community around you through this church or a local church around you. We also encourage you to find a church to get connected to, whether that's here at RCF or somewhere close to you. If you want to find out more about RCF, visit rcfministries.org or watch us live on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. on the RCF Network. Thanks for listening.